Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm B-Movie Paul, and joining me today is the creator of the popular webcomic, miniseries, and soon-to-be movie, Zombie with a Shotgun, Hilton Ruiz. Hilton, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for joining. So, Zombie with a Shotgun, awesome title, by the way. Really catchy, kind of just gets right to the point. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, project, like the general plot of Zombie with a Shotgun? Absolutely. Well, we started about four years ago. Um, I decided that I wanted to do my own zombie interpretation. So I decided, hey, you know what? The, you know, the, the whole web series is getting really popular. Maybe I could go out there and create a small series um, on my own interpretation of Zombie with a Shotgun. Um, of zombies, and I decided to name Zombie with a Shotgun again because it was catchy, and we all know about Hobo with a Shotgun, and I was like, hey, wouldn't it be more crazier if we had something with, called Zombie with a Shotgun? And what I wanted to do was the point of view of the zombie. Um, I was tired of seeing the same old stories, same old survival stories, and, you know, a lot of them are good. It's just that um, I feel that we haven't evolved in the zombie series, it stayed from back in how many years? You know, I mean, we like to call you know the the Night of the Living Dead as as being like the forerunner of creating this whole zombie craze. Even though there were zombie movies before, but that was the film that commercialized and brought it to life and making everybody, you know, having this zombie be part of American pop culture. And I just feel like it hasn't evolved from there. The only time that I feel like it had evolved is when they did Thriller. With Michael Jackson, when he was this kick-ass zombie. Oh, yeah. And ever since then, they just left it there and never went nowhere. And I like to tell people, I take it from there, and I, I evolve it from where Michael Jackson was trying to go for. You know, the... Uh, you know, John Landis, you know, uh, of trying to create this whole zombie, um, you know, having its own um, thoughts and beliefs and um, just having sort of, um, you know, having the same characteristics of what a human can do, but from the outside looking like a zombie. And I say, hey, you know what, I'm going to do this whole zombie with a shotgun, the point of view of a zombie, of a person who's infected with a zombie and is able to, you know, have... Um, Heart, whatever you want to call it, you know, he's able to communicate, be able to do things. He has super special abilities. We find out that he is a unique character, a unique zombie. And as the story goes on, like I said, we, we did five episodes. And then from there, uh, we started on the comic book. And then it was like, hey, you know what? Let's go for the feature. So we shot the feature over the summer. We're in post-production and hopefully uh, early spring we'll have a release. And able, everyone will be able to see more of what this story is all about. I watched the uh, five-part miniseries. I really liked it. I liked how you um, really focused a lot on the characters and from the point of view of a guy who was infected by the zombie um, virus and how he reacted to it, how his girlfriend interacted with him. And it was it was a lot different from the normal kind of zombie thing where it's all blood and gore. This had a lot of character development, I thought. I, I really yeah. enjoyed that. And it's interesting that you say that because that, that was a lot of the sort of complaints that came after the series. You know, of course, being, you know, you know, we, we're not having the, the funds that we wish we could be able to have, you know, the film. So we, we, we went with a lot of camera work and atmospheric stuff and lighting and stuff like that. But 
the gore was one of the problems. We would say, hey, where's the gore? There's no gore. And, and it's so funny because we're so used to seeing zombie films, blood, shoot them up and all that stuff. And in this one, you didn't see it, especially with a title that has a zombie with a shotgun. And I understand that. And But the whole, you know, having that title was so important to catch people, uh, you know, their attention to watch this project. And I think that's what actually made people like it where they said, hey, this does not like the same zombie products that we see, you know, that we usually see, but there's something to it. It's different, and I like it. And it just caught on. Plus, people want to see gore. There are so many zombie things out there, like you were saying. So it's nice to see something a little different, something a little more creative, and you have more character development. And even just taking zombies in a different direction, somebody with a little mm. bit more intelligence. Like, what was the movie? Uh, I think it was Day of the Dead, where they actually were trying to teach zombies how to um, do things. And at one point at the end, one of them starts to use a gun. I thought that was kind of cool. So your your series kind of reminds me of that a little bit, just um, taking it a little further than we're used to. Yes, absolutely. And, again, I was just so, you know, I was fortunate to be able to have this project to continue through the fans. Uh, through you know the, the small fan base that I have, that it's still growing, and just felt that you know they uh, they're a big reason why that this zombie with a shotgun keeps on going. And I was you know again four years ago, I didn't think that it would take off as it as it is right now. You know it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's amazing support. And again, I was thrilled when I was able to uh, shoot a feature to be able to see more of the vision, more of the characters, and more what the story is really all about. And now, you know, we'll have an opportunity, and uh, hopefully we can grow from there. What shows or movies or comic books would you say influenced a zombie with a shotgun the most? Growing up, I became, I was a huge spider-man fan i mean i think that's that's that goes like majority everybody right everyone's like a huge spider-man but i was a really huge spider-man fan you know so a lot of the stuff that you know i was big into that whole you know spider-man and 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 all the different types of marvel i was such a big marvel head you know even though i did like dc but i was such a big marvel head i liked with all the characters i was more into that whole uh secret wars and encyclopedia kind of thing of the, of the characters and who they were and everything um, I, I don't think there was any particular um, comic that inspired me. I think they all do. I mean, if, the fact that I grew up with the comic book world when it was really big. And I don't think there's anything particular that really uh, inspired me. But I would have to say that if, if anything did, it was just growing up with the whole Spider-Man, you know, the whole thing. And, and, and what inspired me to create the comic uh, a comic book, yes, it's definitely Spider-Man. It's something that I always said, hey, I wish I can create a comic book with a character that can, that can live on and can tell stories forever. You know, and that was something definitely I say inspired. You know, Spider-Man was definitely in the comic book that would say I wanted to do my own comic book. I wanted to do that. But again, you know, years went by, and as I did this whole zombie with a shotgun, and I will tell you, when I started four years ago, I really did not have the vision at that time to create a comic book because I thought I was far-fetched from that. I was like, this was something that was not realistic. But again, I go back to what I said before, where the fans were really big part of it. That I was like, hey, you know what? This zombie with a shotgun does have a chance 
to be a comic book, something out there that people can look at, read, and see in the many stories that continue. And it do a lot to the small web series that I've created. And that's awesome. What about movies? Were there any, like, movies that inspired this idea? I mean, I love all time. You know, a lot of... It's a lot of films that I love. I don't know if there's any favorite movie that I can say that I uh, I love, but I definitely would have to say, looking back at the story, you know, and, and I think a lot of people would, would agree with me. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a James Cameron influence of Terminator and all that stuff. In even when you look at it, the feel and everything like that, you know, with with a guy who's just some sort of super zombie, super whatever you want to call him, and you know he's there and survive whenever. And he definitely, I, I definitely would have to say you see that little uh, flashes of that. So I would have to say maybe I would have to say James Cameron's work with the Terminators and all that stuff and all the stuff that he's done. Uh, definitely inspired me, and you could see it through the series a bit. Talking about the movie version of Zombie with a Shotgun, is it going to follow the basic story of the comic and the miniseries, or is it going to deviate and kind of tell a different story? Or, like, how yeah, much of an adaptation it, 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 is it going to be? It, I mean, it has same the same sort of like storyline. You know, you have this guy who is basically, you know, on, on the run with his, you know, with his love and his and you know, his girl, and 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 that you bet you get to see the journey that they both have, and you get to, you know, find out who they are, and you know, it, it definitely ha- brings up and elevates this the the series. It brings it to a whole new level. And, you know, it's parallel with the series and the feature. You know, it's the same sort of kind of feel, story, storyline. But, would, of course, we had a much uh, bigger budget and we were able to tell the stories. Now, the comic book is a little bit different. The comic book, of course, you could get away with a lot of stuff, you know. For us to um, um, create uh, the film... From, adapted from the, the comic book, of course, would be a lot more of a budget. You know, we're talking about much, much, much more. But there are a lot of pieces of the comic book that's in the film. So that's cool. And we definitely look forward for the feature to be released and be able to catch another wave of fans and possible to, you know, to cross over again where we able to possibly get a bigger budget where we can definitely take the comic book and adapt it into the screen. It's always cool when different stories have different uh, medias that they that they kind of come out of. You get to see it from a slightly different perspective, done slightly different, and I always think that's kind of neat, knowing that it's a comic and a miniseries and now a movie. It's just telling the same story, only slightly differently, and seeing what you can do with a movie and um, how you have to adapt to a two-hour kind of thing instead of um, increments of 15 minutes or being able to tell a longer story kind of through comic books. So I'm yeah, definitely looking absolutely. forward to Looking at your um, IMDb page, it seems like you've got a lot of experience in filmmaking. It looks like you've worked as a writer, a director, a producer, just to name a few things. What inspired you to get involved in filmmaking? You know, I grew up in a big family. It's it's pretty funny because I kind of grew up kind of like in a Brady Bunch kind of household. We had three boys, three girls, mom and dad. And we had somebody there that was <laughs> kind of like our, you know, me that, that, that was there that, uh, you know, looked after us, cooked for us and everything. So it was pretty funny. You know, I look at Brady Bunch. It's so funny. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding like old school, you know, talking about Brady Bunch here. But, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody <laughs> knows. So we would go every weekend. Or, you know, we had six 
you know, kids. I was the youngest. And so it's cool to be the youngest because you're able to see everything. You know, when you're the when you're the oldest, you have to actually be, you know, make sure that you're not exposed to like violence or exposed to like cursing in movies and and you know, whatever, nudity and all that stuff. But as you know, of course, the old can never be, you know, subjected to like, you know, since I was the youngest, they're like, all right, you know, we can't not watch this movie because you're the youngest. You know, he's the oldest and we have, you know, we have five other people that are older than you and, you know, whatever. It's too bad that, you know, it's going to be, it's messed up that we can't watch this rated R movie because you're young. So, so what? Let's go watch it still. <laughs> so as, as, as being young, the youngest, Every weekend, the cheapest sort of, you know, to take the family was to the movies because it was cheap at that time. Now it's like, especially in New York City, is the most expensive ticket. Forget about it. You're going broke, okay. you know. <laughs> so it's crazy. You're spending so much money now. But back then, you know, it wasn't as crazy as it is now. It was the cheapest thing to do as a family. So every weekend, we would go as a whole family to watch, to go to the movies. So that's what we do all the time. And then when we would come back, me... And my brother and my cousin, you know, he was three boys, three girls. We lived in the house. We would reenact the films all the time. It didn't matter what movie it was. We were reenacted. And it's so funny because my brother and my cousin always reminds me that they would, like, pretend that we would watch, and this is going to tell my age right now, Star Wars, right? Nice. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. They would play Luke Skywalker. One would play Luke Skywalker and one would play Dark Vader. And I wasn't allowed to play any character because I was young and I was stupid. But you know what they would say? You're our camera guy. You're the director. Just be the camera and just film us. And that was a way that they made it seem like leave us alone. <laughs> so I was this guy. I was like, oh, wow, that sounds cool. So I would pretend I have this camera and I would make the sounds. You know, and I would go around. I was like, all right, over here, over here. And it was so funny. We would do it all the time. And as I got old, I'm like, wait a minute. I want to be one of the guys on this. And then we got into kung fu movies. We would choreograph kung fu movies. And then after that, it would, we were actually shooting them. And I was shooting them. You know, with the, of course, you know, the, the, the big doofy, you know, first you had the VHS and the high eight cameras and everything. We would actually shoot these things. And eventually they got older. And they went their ways, and I had my friends, and then we started doing our little movies. And I was so, remembering being that young kid doing it, it grew and grew and grew, and that's what I always wanted to do. It just came naturally, like, dude, this is what I'm going to do. It was just so funny. That's how it started for me being this little kid, whatever, five, six, seven years old, to really <laughs> go it every year and year and saying, hey, you know what? I, I, it's so funny. I really want to do this. And that's my story of how I got into it. That's awesome. So your brother and your cousin kind of inadvertently inspired you to become a filmmaker. Yes. That's great. Yes. And they always remind me. They were like, dude, you know, it's so funny. They're like, I remember we used to just, you know, we didn't want you to. You know, uh, it's funny. I never told that story to anybody. It's the first time I ever told the story. On, on, that's really funny. That's a fun. great story. <laughs> Thank you. What qualities do you think make a great film? And could you give us some examples of films that you would consider great? Ah, interesting. I think it's all chemistry. You know, um, number one thing I think, you know, we, we tend to forget that we see the movie. right? But we tend to forget as an audience or somebody that there's a team that's behind that set behind a camera and first of all i would have to say to make a great film you need a great team 
You need good chemistry. You need everybody to be on the same page, and you need everybody to believe in that story and that script as much as the director, the writer. You have to be on that same page. You have to be able to come in every day and have the same sort of, you know, uh, enthused about it. You know, you have to say, you know, I, I really believe in the script. And having that synergy working, that's number one. And then, of course, going in the film, of course, you need the good actors to, you know, create the stories and everything for it to become magic, to come alive. And that's very, very, very important. Uh, what, if you have one, you know, something that goes wrong, your film is not going to, and especially if you have someone that's not going to believe in your story as much as you do, it's, it's not, you see it. You see it in the screen. You, you, you're looking, you, you know going in watching at the final edit, you were like, you know, this person was really in it, and you could still see, you could see it. You know, I love love stories, <laughs> you know, horror and everything like that. And, you know, having that, I think, the, you know, it, there's nothing like having that relationship spark in front of the screen. There's nothing like watching a film and you're watching these two characters that are so believable, and you see that they're so in love. And, you know, I, I, I'm, something that comes in my mind right now, you know, because this is a question you just jumped out at me. And I, I, like I told you before, I like to freestyle, I like to flow on these questions as you tell me. What comes to me is like, you know, the, the, the whole uh, conjuring. You had the conjuring one, you had the conjuring two, and you have, you know, Patrick Wilson. And, and, oh, I feel so bad. I forget the, the, the lady's name. She's a big actress. And you, you watch part one and you knew that they were, you know, husband and wife and everything like that. And when they brought it to part two, it was so amazing because, you know, you, 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 as being horror fans, you, you had to watch part one. Or not necessarily, but if you did watch part one, part two was so amazing because it was so, it was so real. It felt like these, this was a couple, that they really loved each other. And you didn't even freaking question it. You didn't even question the fact that, you know, this, you know, this doesn't seem real because it was so well done. The chemistry was so well done and great because of that chemistry of the two, you know, the couple. Um, again, Patrick Wilson and, and, and the lady that, you know, it was just amazing when at the end he goes and saves it and everything. You're not going to question that. You're like, wow, man, you know, he's doing it for his woman. He loves him. But, again, we all into the audience believes it because of that chemistry. Yeah, definitely. Kind of having the people making the film creating their own world and story that that just looks to the audience like it's just they're watching two two people living their life. Yeah, yeah. There are a Hollywood couple in this surreal world that we live in. This you know alternative world that we live in. This imaginary world. They are this Hollywood couple that's there. It's amazing. That's a good way of putting it. What advice yeah. would you give to someone who wants to try to start creating their own independent films? It's funny, and I do get a question like this, and sometimes you know, I forget to, to answer it in a full way. I'll give it a full answer, I mean. First thing I like to tell you know, people who, in, who wants to get into filmmaking, it's an art. And as an artist... You're going to be broke. <laughs> and, and, you know... You have to love filmmaking, and you have to go out there to know that you're going to go and sacrifice to make your art, not caring that if you're not if you're going to make money or not. You know, if you're coming into the business or you're coming into this field just for the main, you know, I want to make money, it's not going to work. 
It's not. Because it takes a lot of years, sweat, tears to, you know, understand this field, to understand the game, to understand your your flow. Everyone has their own sort of magic behind the camera or the magic of directing or the magic of writing. And it takes years to figure that out. So you could know this is my style. You know, that's more like it. You, you have to, It takes a lot of years to know the style. And it gets frustrating after a while and knowing that, you know, this, oh, man, this is, this is not what I thought. But, and then I've seen it a lot. I've seen it in many years of, of guys just leaving and saying, oh, man, you know, uh, I'm leaving the game because uh, it's, it's just difficult. I, I got to go. And, you know, and I'm like, dude, that's just, that's just how it is. It's an art, you know. How many artists that we know, painters and photographers and actors that are struggling? It's the same thing. You know, you have to struggle in, in order, unless you have, you know, the pipeline. You know, you have the, you know, the nepotism of, of having, you know, family members or friends that's going to put you on. But a person such as myself, I had nobody. You know, I had not one family member, no uncle, nobody with money to, you know, be able to say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to come here. You know what I mean? If, you know, for those guys, you know, it's a struggle. It's definitely a struggle. And a lot of mistakes a lot of filmmakers do is they like to juggle a lot of ideas and not concentrate on one. And I can say that that was a mistake that I've done in the past, that I've always juggled with so many ideas and projects, and I've jumped to project to project, not realizing that I've never paid attention to the last project that I did that can make that jump, you know, as I said before, a crossover. And I've, I like to tell my big advice is take that one idea, that one project that you believe in, and work at it and just work on it and just keep on doing it and just until you be able to make magic because again you're the only one that's going to believe in it and you get if, with that power of believing it you're going to get everyone else to believe in it with you and that's how the whole magic gets creating it's just believing in that one project and i mean i'm not to say that you're not allowed to do other projects but just take that one baby project that you feel that can just keep on going and growing and be able to one that you feel it's the one you really have to commit and believe in your art it's a good way of putting it it seems like nowadays with like hollywood movies everybody just like you'll see a movie with a really high budget and it looks nice, but it's the same thing over and over again. There's really no heart to it. And that's one of the things I like about uh, B-movies and the independent films is even if uh, the film is not particularly great, you can tell that there was a lot of heart to it and it was somebody's it was somebody's goal to make this movie, even if it yeah. wasn't fantastic. Yeah, you nailed it. You know it's somebody's vision. And, you know, this is the conversation that I always have with fellow filmmakers. When you're able to get to the point that, okay, somebody's offering you these monies to do this film, you just say it's your project, it's your, it's your interpretation of whatever you want to do. Bringing that money in and you start to get so many other people telling you how you should make your film. And a lot of times you can see that on the screen. It's not, you know, you don't see, you don't feel the heart, the project, because you have so many other hands in it telling you this is how you're supposed to do your film so talking about other filmmakers is that's the always the whole problem like you know you get a hundred thousand dollars to do a film and you can actually do a film 100 grand the way you want to do it of course it's a low budget it's a you know a, mostly a, a dialogue film or whatever it's not going to be blow-ups and everything and then you have the opportunity to, to take the let's say the million dollar film from the investors and everything of course i would say maybe my i don't know 
nine out of ten times somebody's gonna say i'm gonna take the million because that could be the shot but that hundred thousand dollar shot that you take it's going to be more your vision that million dollars it's going to have that more heart and soul and it's going to be more your you know your baby than taking that million dollars and that's you know that's the question you know we always go you know we always talk about but unfortunately you know that's what you have to take to move up the ladder and i think in the beginning careers of filmmaking and at the end of careers of filmmaking you're able to do that your own magic but in the middle very difficult it seems with nowadays with crowdfunding and things like that, the um, independent film industry is really kicking off. Do you think that there's a bright future for it, or do you think that kind of Hollywood's going to try to stomp that out? I th- no, I think that you know the crowdfunding is great. Like for example, with with my film, I mean, of course, I wish I had m- more money, you know, to raise. I tell this also to your audience that who's listening to this podcast: don't be discouraged going for a crowdfunding because even as my big of a fan base i never reached my goal but i still did it i was able to cut the corners and say hey look hey guys you know a lot of the guys like dude we can do it because you feel like you gotta reach that goal and i had a lot of guys like oh you know we didn't reach it man we're not gonna do it let's do another but i said no we're still gonna do it we're gonna be really creative we're gonna cut the corners i'm gonna create the story still with the monies we have because you know you keep on going going you're never gonna make the movie so i really feel like you know hollywood is all about the mat the money you know they're gonna follow where the money goes for example if i raise like five or ten million dollars hollywood's gonna be knocking on my door hey what's up you know what i mean but for the low people low budget films like the one that i did you know it's cool the hollywood's not gonna really care about it but there's gems that come out of those very intimate small independent low budget projects you know you get that ma- some magic comes out and there's gems out there you know it's great for us to see it you know because we get to see the heart and soul of somebody put it in the project and i think those projects will always be there there's going to always be those awesome gems that hollywood is never going to interfere with because that's the project that only raised 30 or forty thousand dollars they don't give a shit you know what i mean yeah and <clears throat> i think as as time goes by you know, you're going to see more and more crowdfunding and you're going to see more budgets becoming more small as we start to see that, you know, cameras, equipment is getting more cheaper to buy, programs is getting more, more talent is getting there. And I think we're going to see more of these gems. So I think uh, it's here to stay. There's a great quote by a philosopher named G.K. Chesterton that goes, art is limitation. The essence of a, of a painting is its frame. And what that basically means is if you're limited in what you have, you're forced to be more creative. You're forced to use the resources you have as great as you can. And I, I definitely see in a lot of indie films people using limited resources in creative ways to tell better stories. So I definitely think there is something to having less money. Obviously, if you have no money, it's a little harder to do things. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely more Absolutely. heart and more um, creativity when you have less, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we have one uh, last question. We ask this with every interview we have. It's a bit strange, but what is your opinion on hairless cats? What? Hairless what? On hairless cats. Do you find them cute? Would you choose one over a normal cat? Or do you find them disturbing in any way? <laughs> what is this? Is this something into this question that I have to go online? Is there's a meaning to it? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, Corey and I, for some <laughs> well, reason, we have uh, well, this debate. Should we ask everybody this? 
You really? That's very yeah, it kind of became a theme going on. Now we're like, hmm, what do people really think about hairless cats? Because he loves them. I'm not as much of a fan. Well, okay. Well, here's an interesting thing that I'm going to tell you. First of all, I am a cat lover. You know, you got dog lovers, you got cat lovers. I'm more of a cat lover. So asking me a question about a cat, I'm going to be like, eh, you know, the hairless cats, I have no problem with them because, you know, I, I do, I am a cat lover. Um, I prefer cats and dogs, even though I have two Siberian Huskies that are like, <laughs> kind of like rule the, the household. And, you know, I got, I have two cats and I have two dogs and the dogs rule, of course, the house and everything because they're Siberian Huskies and they have more of the animalistic kind of like, you know ways of you know running around the house but i do like them and i think um i you know they're cute i mean i, I love cats man they're they're just they're cool to me man and um not to say i hate dogs but i prefer them over dogs yeah they say that when a person has a dog they own the dog but when they have a cat the cat owns them i love both cats they do say dogs, that but hairless cats just, there's something they just look odd to me like something went wrong like people experimented too much with them i mean i love all animals i've never treat one bad but I just feel like humanity messing with nature too much. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I think it comes down to the question, are you a cat lover or are you a dog lover? And obviously, if you're more of a dog lover, you're going to be like, eh, because, you, know, you know, that's usually what you get. That's the answer you're going to get, you know. And, again, I do, of course, I, I do love dogs. I mean, I mean, the, it's funny because the dogs love me to death, and you know, and the cats do too, which is so funny in the house. It's just they just love me, you know, out of everybody in the household. They just, they're crazy about me. It's just so weird. And also that how I have them all set up is just weird. The, the, the cats are so petrified by the dogs and it's like sucks because I can't be able to give them attention. I had one cat a few years ago who actually the dogs were afraid of it. Like she was a bit <laughs> older. She was about uh, 13 at the time when we got the dogs. And whenever the dogs would try to bother her, she'd just smack them in the face and they were petrified. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was I, great. I, growing up, I had a Rottweiler and I had I had uh, two cats. And it was so funny because this Rottweiler that I had, right, she was beautiful. Tough. She was a great guard dog. Anybody came by, anybody, and we had a big yard. We had a big fence. Anybody came even near the fence, come right out. It was amazing. Nobody would come into the house because this dog was just an amazing guard dog. You come home, the two cats, the dog runs, runs into the laundry, hides to the cat. It was just hilarious. It was just, it was just so funny how these my two cats growing up ruled this big Rottweiler and no one would know. And I think it would be embarrassed if people, if we would just mention it, <laughs> but outside everyone was so frightened of this dog. And I just, it was so weird. And I, you know, I just couldn't understand that. I'm like, this dog is just so damn freaking tough. And then that was the name. Of his, it was actually named Tuffy also because the dog was so tough and it was just guard dog. And, you know, but the cats, it was just run away. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, so I've seen both sides, and now now that I have these two huskies, my two cats just are so scared. I, I, sometimes I don't see them for like a day because they're hiding under the bed, and I'm like, damn, this must have been a wrong, like, you know, this was a bad idea. I didn't think this, this was going to happen because how I grew up with, the, with you know, but it's the bread, you know, the, the breed, you know. I should have read up more on the breed, but, but it's funny because the two huskies, like one of them, wants to like play with it and everything i feel so bad because the cats run away and he just looks at it like nobody's running away from me cool now that we, we end up talking about cats and dogs right <laughs> yeah i feel like that's how most of my conversations end like I, I i'm a big animal guy so like half my conversations are about like what do you think of this so i got animals so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, so I really where can we um, follow you to find out more about uh, Zombie with a Shotgun and the process of, and the movie yeah, process? Um, as we're still raising monies for you know uh, post production, so if anyone's interested to go out and see the perks, the rewards, or whatever you want to call them. I mean, everyone has different names of calling them from Indiegogo and all that, and 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 um, you know. Um, Kickstarter and all that stuff, but we're we're in GoFundMe.com/slash Diamond with a Shotgun. Um, check it out if you love the concept. You get to see some images, videos, and you know we need help still raising for post production. Um, if you want to follow like in a daily basis of updates or, or weekly basis, we're also on Twitter. Just search Twitter Zombie with a Shotgun. You'll see us there. Follow us. We'll follow you back. We follow everybody back. If you want to check out the videos, the five, uh, the series, uh, we're both in Vimeo and in YouTube, and they both, you know, are .com slash zombie with a shotgun on both of them. So if somebody's more of a Vimeo, you know, you put Vimeo.com slash zombie with a shotgun, YouTube.com slash zombie with a shotgun. You could also check out our site, zombie with a shotgun.com, go directly to Tumblr. Uh, you could be able to see the stuff that's going on, the comic book that we're developing and everything like that. You get to see some sneak peeks of panels and images and stuff like that, posters and all the good stuff. Sounds good. So you heard it here, folks. Zombie with a shotgun. Hilton, thank you for joining us on our show. It's been a pleasure talking Likewise. to you. Likewise. Likewise, thank you. Yep. All right. We hope to have you on, on the show again. When the film's over, we'd love to uh, have you on again to tell us about the process of making it, maybe tell a few stories. Absolutely. I would love to. All right, perfect. If you have an independent film you're working on and would like to discuss it, you can email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter account at bmoviepaul. Don't forget to listen to our podcast where Corey and I review a different B-movie every week. New episodes every Friday on our website, bmoviebros.com. If you have a movie you'd like us to review or any additional comments, feel free to leave a message below. This has been another B-Movie interview. I'm your host, B-Movie Paul, saying be brave, be bold, and be back next time.